This is Sam Anderson, lead pastor at Central Church. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. continuing um, our series this morning that we're calling Love Like Jesus. And so I had a really cool opportunity on Friday night um, to give the homily at a neighborhood liturgy. For those of you who weren't raised in church your entire life, basically a bunch of people got together and had church at a house and I got to talk for a couple minutes. And uh, it was actually really cool. It was, it was this, uh, the focus of the night was Palm Sunday, which is this next coming uh, Sunday, or the Sunday, I don't know, coming up soon, uh, coming to a town near you very soon, Palm Sunday. And so we focused on Palm Sunday, and it was my job to kind of talk about um, the triumphal entry of Jesus. And it was a really cool concept that I got to look at because it was so bass-ackwards, the way it all went down. It really was. It was just so crazy how Jesus comes in and he takes the normal and he flips it upside down, spins it around backwards, and says, mic drop, right? That's how it's done. This is the way we do things in this Jesus world. And so he completely redefines what it looks like to follow God in his life and his ministry. And so in this triumphal entry, he comes in on a borrowed donkey, right? And he's got used cloaks that are there to kind of light the way, and then they take excess branches, Right? They didn't take these like rose petals and lilies and sprinkle them around. And he didn't come in on like this giant stallion with, with trumpets blazing and dancers dancing and bakers baking. I instantly think of the movie Aladdin when he's like, Prince Ali, Ali is he, Ali Ababa. You guys know what I'm talking about? Do you not know what I'm talking about? That wasn't speaking in tongues. That was Aladdin. <laughs> For those of you uh, who can't differentiate. Um, I instantly think of that, and like that's what everyone's expecting. They're expecting this giant king to come in, and and Jesus comes in like a, on a borrowed baby donkey with some borrowed cloaks and used cloaks and then some excess branches that were just kind of laying around, and he comes in and he says, guys, listen, this is it. This humility thing, this service thing, this is it. This is the kingdom of God. And so then as I was talking and preparing for Friday night, I thought, Man, our American culture is so off base with this. Our American culture is so off base with kind of God's design and Jesus' call for our lives because if you think about it, we're enamored and impressed by the big, by the shiny, by the flashy, by the famous, right? If you went through your Instagram or Twitter feed and see who you're following, it's probably not the small, humble people that we're following if we're being totally honest, right? It's not the pastor of the church of 30 that we're trying to get a, a lunch date with. It's, it's the pastor of a church of a thousand people that we're following on Twitter and buying his books and reading his blogs, if, if we're being honest, right? We enamor and we're enamored and so impressed by the big and doing big and loud things and the bigger, the better, the more lights at church, the cooler, the smoke machines, the, the hip pastor with the what, the blah, blah, and all this stuff. It's like we're blown away by all this stuff and we're enamored by it but then Jesus comes in on a borrowed donkey and, and, and used cloaks and, and excess branches. Very seldom are we impressed by the little people, right? I mean, think about it. And it's, 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 it's our culture. It's the, way that, it's, it's the way that the world is currently. I mean, Mother Teresa is an anomaly, you know? And she'll go down in history forever as being this great nobody, 
but like the great somebody. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like Mother Teresa is one of those things where like she, she didn't seek all that. She didn't seek all, but she was elevated because she was so countercultural and so different that she sought the things that were after the heart of God. And so last week, Chris shared about forgiveness. And he shared that, you know, once we receive Jesus, um, God no longer sees our sin. He sees forgiveness, right? When we come and we say, you know, we want, we, we place our trust in Jesus. He's, he's the Lord of my life, whatever, all that stuff. When God looks at us, he no longer sees pain and suffering and brokenness and stupid moron Sam, right? When God looks at Sam, he sees the grace of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. And so this forgiveness that we are so ready to receive Chris challenged us last week that we need to not only receive that, but we need to reflect that. And that needs to be the forgiveness that we're dishing out. The same forgiveness that we're taking in, we need to be dishing it out as well. And so today, um, you know, he talked about how we need to forgive to love like Jesus, and we need to forgive like Jesus. So today, we're going to look at this concept of washing feet. So I hope everyone got their pedicures and wore clean. I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. Some of you are like, yes, I totally did. Others of you are like, oh my gosh, I'm going to pretend like I got to go to the bathroom and I'm leaving. But um, we're going to look at this concept of washing feet to love like Jesus. Look at this concept of what Jesus did to these disciples and what that meant and what he was doing and how that implies life for us and the implications that we should take away from it. So let's pray together, and then we'll jump into God's word. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for that powerful time of worship that we got to spend together just singing songs of praise and adoration to you, just responding to your greatness in our hearts and in our lives. God, this morning as we open your word, I pray that you would use me as an effective mouthpiece for your truth, and that you would bring clarity and understanding to our hearts and to our minds, that, you would be re- that we would be receptive to what you have for us today. I pray this morning that every person in this room would leave encouraged, challenged, and changed. God, we give ourselves to you, and we trust your leadership and your guidance. Speak to us today. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, um... On Monday, Jesus clears the temple, right? He goes full on beast mode. You guys know this one, right? This is, this is the, 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 the passage of scripture that we use to justify going to war and all that stuff. Totally out of context, but we use it. And we say, hey, yeah, he, he flipped temp tables. God could be, there's a justice, indignant anger. It's holy. You're wrong. Look it up. But Monday, Jesus goes in and like flips the tables, right? Goes beast mode on everybody. And then Tuesday, he has this like massive debate, argument, discussion, call it what you will, with the religious leaders, right? And he's saying all this stuff, and they're just like pissed beyond. But I heard a statement. <laughs> I was reading a book, and the statement said that Jesus was an equal opportunity pisser offer, and I thought that was awesome. When I read that, I was like, yes, that is so good. So he had this big discussion. <laughs> How good is that? I feel like I'm an equal opportunity pisser offer. You know, I feel like that might be my spiritual gift, which is interesting. Um, anyway, my wife is in Tennessee today, so I'm going to say a lot of things I probably shouldn't say. Uh, just know that that's the reasoning behind it, okay? She's not here to look on the front row and go, and all that. So, um, so um, and then on Tuesday, so he has this discussion with all the religious leaders, and he's doing his thing, and they're having these discussions and all that stuff. And then on Wednesday, there's nothing recorded in Scripture of what he did this week. Um, he was probably cleaning for house church, because that's what I do on Wednesdays. I have to clean my whole house, because house church is Wednesday night, and everyone's coming over, and they can't see that I actually have four kids, and they destroy my house every moment of every day. Um, so he was probably cleaning his house for house church. And then Thursday, 
um, he, he, is, he straight off the heels from this argument amongst the disciples that we find in Luke chapter 9, where they're asking who's the greatest, right? They're like, well, who's, who's the greatest in the kingdom of God? And they're arguing all this different stuff. And, and so this is kind of setting the table of where Jesus is in his ministry and what's happening in the context at this moment that we, that we come into uh, John chapter 13. So John chapter 13, verses 1 through 5, it says this. It says, it was just before the Passover feast, and Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and he was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had wrapped around him. And so Jesus gets up, and he starts washing these guys' feet. Now, in current context and culture, that would be weird, Right? If I sat down with like Josh and with Corey and Andy and Jeff and Chris and Jerry and, and Keith and we're sitting there eating and I'm like, all right guys, and I take off all my clothes and get to my underwear, they'd be like, what kind of dinner party is this? And so then I put a towel around my waist and I fill up a basin of water and I walk up and I'm like, I want to wash your feet. They'd be like, dude. Like, I knew Central was weird, but this is a new level, right? Not interested. So in our context, it would be that kind of awkward weirdness. But in this context, it was a different kind of, like, awe that was happening with these guys. Jesus gets up, and he takes off his outer cloak and wraps his towel around his waist and starts washing their feet. Well, listen, in the first century Middle East, washing someone's feet was reserved for, like, the lowest of low, low servants. Like, this was, like, the most humiliating task that you could ask someone to do. I mean, these feet were disgusting. We're talking, there's not like proper sewage systems. There's animals everywhere. There's, st- we'll call it stuff everywhere. And these people are just walking through it. They're, they're, Jergens foot moisturizing cream has not come out yet, right? This was a few centuries later that that came on the market. Um, and so these feet were like nasty, nasty, nasty. And so these servants would have to get down and do it. And whenever this would, would happen, it was customary if you walked to someone's house for dinner or whatever and someone offered to wash your feet, what that was is that was sh- like flexing. I was like, you want me to have someone wash your feet? Like, yeah, I'm that rich. I'm that powerful. I got foot washers. That's how great and mighty I am, right? And so it was this flaunting thing that you would do at a meal to show your wealth. You'd say, come to my house and have dinner and I'll have someone wash your feet. I'll serve you in that Way And so nobody would ever humiliate themselves that low of a position to wash a peer's feet or to wash someone below them's feet, ever. It's like completely and totally unheard of. It's the absolute worst job you could possibly have. And so when Jesus, their rabbi, their leader, the guy they've seen do miracles, the guy that is the son of God, the guy that they have devoted their entire lives to, gets up, puts on this towel, and bends over to wash their feet, their minds are, they're like, what? What is happening here? How is this, what is, is, is going on here? And so we can look at this, and, but first I think we, what we need to do is we need to realize what this does not mean 
for us in our life and in our context. What this does not mean is that you need to walk around with a basin of water trying to wash people's feet. Do not do that. I am saying that publicly from stage. You will be a creeper, okay? It'll be weird. I go to Central Church and they said I should wash people's feet. Come here, let me wash your feet. You might end up in jail. I'm not kidding. That's not what this means. It doesn't mean we literally need to do that. It also does not mean that we need to consistently be suffering in the lowest of low positions in every facet of life, right? It doesn't mean that if you want to follow Jesus, you've got to be completely and totally broke and completely and totally the lowest of low and have nothing of worth, nothing of positive in your life. You just have to be miserable servant your entire life, lowest of low of low of low of society. That's not what this means, okay? So please don't get it twisted and start chasing people with water basins. What this does mean This does mean that we need to be looking for ways to serve others. We need to be looking for ways, even if they're unconventional ways, to serve others. You know, Jesus' triumphant entry, you know what he's saying in that when he's on that borrowed donkey with used cloaks and excess branches? He's saying, the way up with me is down, and you need to realize that. That it's about humility and service. It's not about pomp and circumstance and having the biggest, best, brightest everything. It's about serving. You know what Jesus is saying when he gets down and washes these guys' feet? He says, it ain't about that. I'm the rabbi, you should be washing my feet. I'm your leader, you should be washing my feet. But you know what I'm doing? I'm washing your feet. I'm teaching you a lesson here that says it's about humility. It's about service. It's about looking for ways to meet the need. And so it's very important that we wrap our heads around this and be proactive in saying, you know what? I can do that. I'm not saying that you have to serve like Jesus served. I'm not saying you have to serve like I served. I'm not saying you have to serve like Don serves. I'm not saying that you have to do that. You can do something. And so what you need to do is you need to look for a need and say, yeah, I can do that. And when you highlight and figure out what that is, you say, all right, this one's mine. I got this. I'm doing this. I'm stepping in. I was talking to Chris this last week, and his phone is messed up. It's like not charging, like he'll charge it all night and then the battery only lasts for like an hour and then his phone's dead all day. And he's like, at first he was super frustrated by it, but then he was like, well, it's been kind of interesting. I don't know what this means in moving forward, but currently I just don't have a phone a lot. And so I'm able to like actually take in the world around me. And he was like, it's pretty interesting to not, you know, he's like, when I have a few minutes in line or at a stoplight, I'm like, okay, cool. And I go back. Or if I'm standing in line, I'm like this. And then when it's time, then I go back. And, but now he's just like, aware. And it's like he's seeing all these different things. And so he said he was at the Meyer at uh, Aiden Woodward. And if any of you have ever been to the Meyer at Aiden Woodward, you know that you're signing up for at least 30 minutes in line, at least, right? And so he's standing in line at the Meyer and Woodward, and he said that there was someone in one of those, like, cart things with the baskets on the front, you know, that if, if you're injured or you're in high school, you, you ride these things around, <laughs> right? You know what I'm talking about? And so someone, this person was obviously not in high school, and so <laughs> some of you are like, uh, I'm not in high school either, but I totally do those. Um, he was standing in line by this person, and he said he was just aware enough, and he was like, hey, you know what, can I, can I put that stuff on the, on the conveyor belt for you? And the person was like, yeah, totally, that would be such a blessing, that would be so great. And so Chris was able to do that. You don't have to do that, but Chris said, I can do that. I got this one. This one's mine. This is how I'm going to serve, and this is how I'm going to help. This is what I'm going to do within my context, because I can do that. I can make that happen. I was was walking out of Kroger. I found that I'm the closest to God at Kroger. This is where God uses me the most. It's the weirdest thing. Um, But I was walking out of Kroger, and there was this lady who, like, obviously loved cats. You guys know what kind of lady I'm talking about? All right, stop being judgmental in your head. She had a lot of cat food, okay? 
That's the reason I knew she loved cats. And her cart was just full of like these huge bags of cat food. I didn't even know that existed. You know, I thought cats ate like the little nasty mushy stuff. But she had all these bags of cat food. And so she must have had like 500 cats or she bought food once a year. And so I'm like walking by and it's this older lady and she's struggling. And so I just stop. I'm like, you know what? I can do that. This one's mine. So I walk over, I'm like, hey, would you like me to put that in your car for you and just kind of um, load it up for you? She's like, oh, that would be so great. And so like, I literally, I'm, I'm not exaggerating, I filled up her entire trunk, and then I had to fill up her whole back seat, too. This lady had so much cat food. I was like, are you feeding all the cats in Michigan? And I didn't say that. But, so I loaded that, and it was like, it wasn't a big deal. It took me a couple minutes, but it was, you know what? I can do that. This one's mine. I, I, I got... I got this one. There's another story that um, I thought of yesterday, and I actually had to text Alyssa to get the details last night because I was like, God, what was the situation there? So my wife and I were about to have our third kid, um, Monroe, and uh, so we had two boys at the time, and we were just like stressing out. We're getting a third kid. At that point, we're outnumbered, so it's like crazy. And um, I remember her and her mom, Angela, came over to our house, and they were like, hey, listen, we want to watch your kids. We want you guys to be able to go on a date. So we're like, oh man, that is so great. So we go on this date, but unbeknownst to us, they snuck in all their cleaning supplies and they like cleaned our entire house while we were out on a date. And I'm talking like they took these like big giant like bristle brush things and like cleaned our kitchen floor. If you've been to my house, you know the infamy of my kitchen floor. It's nasty, right? And so they're like scrubbing this. I, walk, I came home and I was like, did you guys install new floors? It was that different. Like it was totally clean, right? And we came back and we were like, oh my gosh, our minds were blown, and we needed it. You know, my wife is in the full-blown, like, nesting phase, you know, making my life awesome with all my honey-do lists. It was awesome. And, I, and we came home to this, and it was just such a blessing. It was so crazy to us that that happened. And all that was was them saying, I could do that. This one's mine. I can do that. This one's mine. I'm going to serve in this way. I'm going to serve in that way. And so Jesus is not saying you literally have to walk around washing people's feet. But what he's saying is as a Christ follower, you did not come, you are not called to be served. You are called to serve. That's your calling. That's what God has designed for us as Christ followers. Not to come and say, serve me, I've arrived. But to say, how can I serve? What can I do? And when you see it, you say, I can do that. That one's mine. I'm going to make that happen. And so I actually have a picture of Jesus uh, not getting served, but serving. It's a historical, do we have it? Um, yes. This is Jesus serving, not being served. Do you guys get it? You got served! Oh! No? When the guy in the front goes like this and holds everybody back? And they're like, Oh! You don't know, you never, no? You didn't watch March Madness? The guy at the end of the bench is only on the team to hold everybody back. Have you noticed that? He's at the end of the bench and a dunk happens. He's like, oh, oh, and they're all like, oh. That's what's happening here. You can't tell by the Pharisees? Oh, no, the disciples are on this side going, oh. Sorry. Matthew chapter 20, verse 25 through 28. Let's get biblical. Stop the heresy. Look out for lightning bolts. Jesus called them together and said, do we have the Bible verse? Okay, get that, get that heresy off the screen. Um, somebody's fired up there. Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercised authority over them. Not so with you. 
He said, most of the world around you, they're saying, if you have power, flaunt it, flex, right? If you're in charge, you're in charge. Tell people what's up. If you have any sort of you know, authority or power, let them serve you. That's what the world is saying. And he says, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, that's what the picture is, and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know what this is in response to? A mom came to Jesus and was like, hey, can my sons sit at your right and your left when you enter into the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus is like, what? Seriously? Like, are you guys not getting everything that I'm doing and everything that I'm saying? And, and did, did, did you not see what happened? In, did you not see me on that baby donkey? Did you, did you miss that? You know, are you missing the picture here? Is this something lost in translation? He says, not so with you. Whoever wants to be great among you must be a servant. And so I feel like this is so much of the problem with the American institutionalized church and the way we do this church thing. It's because we're, when you're a follower of Jesus, you're not a spiritual consumer. And you need to recognize and realize that. We church hop and we say, well, does this church have what I like? Oh, no, it doesn't have what I like. I'm going to find something else. Does this church have what I like? Oh, sort of. The music was a little lame, but the guy wasn't very good looking. So let's go somewhere else where the worship leader wears a scarf. And so let's check that one out. Oh, is the lighting budget here nice? Okay, well, let's go to that. And we're spiritual consumers. We jump around until we find something that feeds us and that we like. And all this. Listen, please, listen. When you are a Christ follower, you are not a spiritual consumer. You are a spiritual contributor. And you need to realize and recognize that. You are not a spiritual consumer. You are a spiritual contributor. We don't look for a church to meet our needs. What we need to realize is that we are the church, and we need to look to meet the needs of this world. Does that make sense? For some reason, we've got it so twisted, and Jesus is saying, clear as day, in everything that he does, hello, this is not the way it works. Right? This is not how it goes down. Do you not see this? You're not a consumer, you're a contributor. I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. You got served, right? That's what he's saying here, and it's like, why do we miss this? How do we miss this? We need to wake up every single day looking for a way to meet a need. Because here's the deal, when we shift our perspective and we start looking for it, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. They're all around us. And God wants to use us to meet the needs of this world rather than looking to fill our own needs all the time. It's everywhere when you just lift your eyes and look for it. It's about being others focused. I mean, this is directly tied to generosity. Like we just got out of this series, Making a Change. We talked about being generous and giving and looking for opportunities to do that, looking for ways to do that. It's the same way with service. It's the same way with everything following Jesus. It's others focused. It's not about us. It's about how can God use us to reach others. And so that's so clutch and so key to the ministry of Jesus. Because when you're serving with the right heart, it's not about recognition. It's not about accolades. It's not about, oh, I got to put a selfie of this. You know, Alyssa didn't clean my kitchen and then take a picture just right with this glistening and shiny. Just clean Sam's kitchen. How great am I? Nobody even knew she did that. And, and that was like four years ago. It's the first time it's ever been talked about publicly. You know why? Because her attitude and her heart is in the right place. She didn't do it for public recognition. She didn't do it to be great and boisterous and look at how awesome I am. She said, there's a need. I can do that. This one's mine. I got this. Th this one's mine. And she showed up and she made it happen. It's not about the actions, it's about.
the attitude, because when you have the right attitude, the actions will follow. When you have the right perspective, the opportunities will present themselves. And so Jesus looks around the table with the disciples, and he sees proud hearts, obviously, from the discussion in Luke chapter 9, where they're arguing who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. He looks around the table, he sees proud hearts, and he sees dirty feet. And so he stands up, and he takes off his outer cloak, and he washes their feet. You know what he does? He disarms their hearts by washing their dirty feet. He disarms the proud heart by washing and serving in humility their dirty feet. I have a friend that's doing this incredibly. Um, he's the pastor of uh, Woodside, Detroit. Uh, Woodside Bible Church, they have campuses everywhere. They're like taking over the world. And uh, he pastors the one in Detroit. His name's Tim Holdridge. And um, he is having such a huge impact on the artist community in Detroit. And I don't know if you know anything about the artist community in Detroit, but uh, God and Jesus are they're not their number one fan, right? They're, they're not number one fans of, of, of God and Jesus. And so it's, it's hard to be affiliated with a church and to crack that culture. And so Tim has found a way to get in this. And you know how he does it? You know what he does? He serves. He does what Jesus would do. You know, he hears of like a, a festival going on where they need a sound system. He goes, hey guys, we have a sound system and it's really awesome. You guys want to use it? No, we don't. Uh-uh. We can't affiliate with Hey, no, no, guys. Check it out. Listen. Listen. Um, you don't have to put Woodside anywhere on this thing. You don't have to put it on the flyer. You don't have to put it. We're not going to show up wearing T-shirts that says Jesus loves you and, and Woodside provided the sound. We're not doing any of that. It's like, you just want to use it? He disarmed their proud hearts by washing their feet. When your attitude is right, the actions will follow. The opportunities will arise. And it's a beautiful thing when God's able to use you in that way. And so, you know, it's, it's crazy because then later on down the passage, Jesus says, okay, now that you've seen me do this, now, now you guys go do it. You see what I'm doing, now you guys make it happen. You've seen what I've done. I think it's in verse like 13, yeah, 14 right here. No, no, no I, your Lord, your teacher, have washed your feet. You also should wash one another's feet. I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. How do we miss this? How do we, how do we miss it? It's plain as day. It's in the red letters in the Bible. She says, guys, this is what it's about. It's about service and humility. And so maybe you're in here today and you need to shift your perspective to maybe not the king riding in on a white horse with a blazing sword ready to slay all the Muslims. <laughs> Let's be real. You don't need that king that's victorious, ready to conquer the world and his kingdom and his armies are great and grand and we're going to proselyte it. Maybe you need to shift your perspective to the king whose triumphant entry was a borrowed baby donkey and used cloaks and excess branches. Maybe your perspective needs to shift a little bit, realizing that Jesus' ways are not necessarily our ways. And when I say our ways, I mean that Jesus was an American. Jesus wasn't a Republican. I know that one hurt a little bit. Jesus wasn't a Democrat. Jesus wasn't, you know, the mainstream church. He just wasn't. He was so countercultural and so different. So what if we just kind of shifted our perspective to that and said, I'm going to follow not necessarily what my pastor says, myself included, but I'm going to follow what Jesus says. I'm not going to do what these people are doing. I'm going to do what Jesus did. What if we shifted our perspective? So maybe you're in here and you do that. Maybe you're in here this morning 
And you need to shift your perspective from a spiritual consumer to a spiritual contributor. Maybe you need to wrap your head around the idea that, guess what, the church doesn't exist to serve you. But you are the church, and you are called to serve this world. And so maybe you need to shift your perspective in that way and say, God, how can you use me? Wake up in the morning and say, God, show me the needs. Make me aware. Open my eyes. Let me see where I can serve. Show me the needs that need to be met that I can say, I can do that. I got this one. This one's mine. Or maybe you're in here this morning and you need to disarm a proud and hostile heart. Maybe it's a relationship that's strained. Maybe it's some conversations that you're in the midst of or that you're having. Maybe it's perspectives of people in your life, at your work, and, and they got these just hostile hearts and they're proud hearts and they're not ready to have this interaction. Maybe the first step that you need to take is disarming that hostile heart by washing some dirty feet. Maybe by taking an example out of Jesus' book and saying, you know what? Maybe I just need to serve this person. Rather than arguing on Facebook, maybe I should just serve them. Rather than debating at work, Maybe I should just serve them. Rather than fighting about politics, maybe I should just serve them. Maybe I should disarm the proud and hostile heart by washing their feet. But I think all of us, we need to wake up every day and we need to say the prayer, God, give me the eyes to see the needs and the courage and the strength to meet them. We need to say, I can do that. This one's mine. I I can do that. This one's mine and actually do it. Because we didn't come to be served. Jesus didn't come to be served. He came to serve. And he says, now that you've seen what I've done, now you do it. Now you make it happen. I've laid an example. Now you make it happen. Serving is not what we do. A servant is who we are. A servant is not what we do. Or serving is not what we do. A servant is who we are. So if we're to love like Jesus, we need to be washing feet. We need to be serving. We need to take up this kingdom of humility, this kingdom of service, and make it our own. And realize that we're not consumers, but we're contributors. And we can make this happen. So let's pray together. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for your truth. I pray this morning that if we're in here today and we need to shift our perspective to that of, of the king whose triumphal entry was on a donkey, I pray that you would give us grace as we wrap our heads around that and make the necessary changes. God, if we're in here this morning and, and we're shifting our perspective from being a spiritual consumer to a spiritual contributor, I pray that you would highlight the areas and the caverns in our lives that need to be handed over to you, surrendered to you, and that you would use us in spite of ourselves to be your hands and your feet in this generation. God, I pray this morning if we find ourselves in a position that we need to disarm a hostile or proud heart, I pray that you would highlight areas and ways that we can serve and that we can wash some dirty feet. And God, please give us all courage and strength to act upon the needs that you're going to make illuminated in our lives. Help us to see the need and then to step up and make something happen. Help our our mantra to be, I can do that. This one's mine. I can do that. This one's mine. 
God, I thank you for the work that you're doing in our hearts and in our faith community and in our city. We surrender ourselves to you and we ask that you would just continue to lead, guide, and direct us. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, inspired you, and you experience life change. If you are unable to attend our Sunday gatherings but still want to support this faith community, visit our giving page at centralchurch.cc. And don't forget to rate, review, and